Do you dream of having time and money freedom? Are you looking for ways to enjoy business and life harmony or just to improve your business and yourself? Welcome to Reclaim Your Freedom with your host, Shirley Dalton. In this program, you'll learn from experts in business, leadership, personal development, and mindset to help you create your ideal business lifestyle, whatever that means for you. And now, here's your host, Shirley Dalton. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Reclaim Your Freedom and I'm your host, Shirley Dalton. I'm on a mission to help you reclaim your freedom and create your ideal business lifestyle. As the number one authority on proven profitable processes, I help you get your business under control, grow yourself and your team so that your business works for you and your team, giving you more money, more time and less stress. If you'd like to know more, I invite you to visit my website, ShirleyDalton.com. In my role as radio and TV show host, I bring you additional experts to help you improve your business and your life. And today we're talking with business lawyer, professional negotiator and director of the American Negotiation Institute, Kwame Christian, about the difference between conflict and negotiation and how to manage both successfully. Welcome, Kwame. Thank you, Shirley. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm really looking forward to our interview today. I've been all over your website. I've looked at all of your resources. I've watched your TEDx talk and um, the way that you present information around conflict and negotiation. It's so simple. It's engaging. It's full of humor. I think today's is going to be a really interesting interview. Thank you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Okay. So I'll just tell our listeners a little bit about your background. You're passionate about teaching business professionals how to negotiate and be more persuasive, conducting live negotiation and conflict resolution training sessions. You work with teams to improve their persuasive communication skills and conflict resolution abilities, which lead to financial gain, career advancement and increased confidence in difficult conversations. Your TEDx talk, Finding Confidence in Conflict, was viewed over 24,000 times in less than 24 hours and was the most popular TEDx talk on conflict in 2017. You host the podcast, Negotiate Anything, where you interview successful professionals and share powerful persuasion techniques. With over 200,000 downloads and listeners in 140 countries, it's the top-ranked negotiation and dispute resolution podcast in the nation. And on the home front, you're the proud husband of Dr. Whitney Christian and father of Kai Christian. So Kwame, I watched your TEDx talk. It was fascinating and so full of practical content and humour. In the talk, though, you mentioned your background growing up. Would you share a little of that with our listeners today? Absolutely. And um, so I'm going to take a little bit more time to give some um, context because uh, I know we're in Australia (laughs) right now. Uh, So... I grew up in a a small town called Tiffin, Ohio. It's in rural Ohio. Um, And my family originally is from the Caribbean. So I'm a first generation Caribbean American. Uh And so what made growing up in Tiffin, Ohio so interesting was that I was pretty much the only black person uh, to be seen, (laughs) as I mentioned in the TED Talk. And uh, not only that, but when I was younger, Um, Because my parents taught me how to talk, I had a really strong Caribbean accent. Mm -hmm. And so I was especially different 
And so at a young age, I had to learn how to create connection with people who were different from me and um, how to um, kind of assuage the fears or trepidations people might have with um, interacting with someone who's different from them. Uh, because the thing is, they had options. I didn't. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> Kwame's different. I, I'll, let me go talk to Mark. I'm like, but wait, I have nobody. <laughs> So um, that was, that is what really, those were the first negotiations I had. I was negotiating friendship, I was negotiating trust, but at the same time it had a, kind of a negative effect uh, of kind of creating this people pleaser mentality where I was willing to put the needs and desires of others above myself. And so growing, as I started to develop as a professional, I realized I had to get over it and um, I learned some techniques to do it. And, and now I'm really passionate about teaching other people how to do it because I realize how painful it was for me not knowing what to do next in difficult conversations. So I truly enjoy having the opportunity to help other people in those situations. And it's interesting you mentioned being a people pleaser. We have a, a profile that we use, Integrity and Values, and uh, we have what we call an impression management score on that, and that shows us the, the people that are people pleasers. And it's really, as you say, about wanting to be liked and about wanting to be uh, fitting in, but what it does is that it means that we behave in a way that's not really our authentic self, is it? Exactly, exactly. And the thing is, we do it because we want to, um, to win what our, what our conceptualization of winning is at that time. And in, at that time, in the short term, we, winning is defined as fitting in. Winning is defined as um, not making any, any waves or making other people feel uncomfortable. And the, the thing that we don't recognize in the moment is that even though we get that short-term victory, which is the avoidance of unpleasant emotions or unpleasant conversations, it turns out to, to lead to long-term loss because we're not standing up for ourselves and getting what we want and deserve. And at the same time, we have that feeling deep down inside of ourselves that we know we sold out. We know we didn't perform. We could have done better and we feel weak. And it just makes us feel less and less confident. And uh, it's, it's just a really, really dark negative cycle that people can get into. They, they people please and then they lose confidence, which makes them less likely to stand up for themselves. And then it just continues and continues. And so the ability to negotiate effectively and with conf confidence um, is one of the keys to putting an end to that cycle and, and moving in a direction that you want to go. Yeah, and like you, I'm a real big advocate for education and um, provide leadership training for some of my clients and we look at conflict um, resolution and that, but I don't have the skills that you have. You've got a background as a business lawyer and as a professional negotiator. So tell us, uh, Kwame, what is negotiation? Yeah, and the the thing about negotiation and really one of the, the biggest messages I have on the topic is uh, I want to broaden people's perspective on what a negotiation is and isn't. Because if you are able to recognize opportunities to negotiate, you'll be able to get more out of your everyday life. And so the way I define negotiation is anytime you're having a conversation where somebody in the conversation wants something. 
Uh-huh. And so that is an incredibly broad <laughs> definition. And it's in, it's intentionally broad because now you'll realize, oh, this was a negotiation. When I had a conversation with my spouse about who was going to take our son to daycare, that's a negotiation. When I was discussing where we should have our meeting uh, with my client, that was a negotiation. When I was setting expectations for the outcome of this um, this work that I'm doing with my client, that's a that's a negotiation too. And so we can use this as a trigger to utilize these negotiation and persuasive skills to get more of what we want and strengthen the relationships with people around us. Yes, and I think a lot of people think that when uh, they're talking negotiation, we ha- we have a term in Australia, we say, well, it's not sheep stations. And, you know, so we're, negotiation is like I'm negotiating for the sale of this big sheep station or this big farm or something like that, when um, what you're saying there is that we are actually negotiating every day. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like I said, we can use it as a tool not only to get more of what we want, but also to strengthen relationships. Um, negotiation is the art of deal discovery, not the art of deal making. Sometimes we go into a conversation and we explore it thoroughly and then we find out that there's really no way to make this work out. And that's not a problem. We have just investigated it and reached the logical conclusion uh, that it doesn't work out. But if we do it the right way, we could still use those same negotiation techniques that we would use to get more money or more of what we want substantively. We can use those same skills to strengthen relationships with people around us. And that is another way to gain, to, to glean value from these interactions because there is value in strong relationships. Yeah, oh, couldn't agree more. <laughs> totally, I'm I'm right into relationships, and in fact, um, when I started my working career, and then I moved on to working behind the bar when I was going to university, and there was a couple of rules for me. You know, I, it was always good to the people that. Um, put the beer kegs in for us because they were heavy and the guys would do that (laughs) and I was always good with the people on reception and that and you'd see other people or even when you're out for dinner for example with the wait people that come and serve you you know see some people and they're just so rude and you think whoa wow that's not helping your relationships no not at all it's probably not helping the quality of your food either Bigly, not a good way to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. So, so from a young age then, you, you know, you've really had this theme running through. So um, learning the skills for yourself and understanding it and then finding the benefits that they provide for you and then having a real passion for teaching other people. So I just want to sort of... Um, you use this opportunity to ask you a little bit about that, what you do before we get into the conflict and negotiation, uh, you know, your passion for teaching other people. So what do you do and how do you do that? Yeah, so I, I do trainings. So sometimes I'm invited to either come to a conference and do some professional development workshops or actually invited into a company to train employees and staff. Um, sometimes that training is comprised of doing a, uh, a seminar style presentation and sometimes it's comprised of working one-on-one with uh, leaders in the organization to help them persuade um, either externally with clients or potential clients or internally within with different colleagues and um, sometimes it's a hybrid of the two a presentation and then working one-on-one so it really is just customized to whatever is uh, needed by 
the organization. And I, I still practice as a corporate lawyer too. So that gives me the opportunity to keep these skills sharp in a um, business and, and high stake environment. Yes, and when you, you talk about uh, helping leaders to persuade either the clients externally or the colleagues internally, I really like your use of language there because as leaders we do need to get people on board. Uh, can you give us a couple of tips there if, uh, because most of our audience are business owners, entrepreneurs, leaders and managers. So is, it, is there a couple of little tips there for people in order to persuade either their clients or colleagues? Absolutely. The, the first thing is, let's kind of expand on the metaphor you use, getting people on board. Um, you need to lead them on board. You can't force them on board. Uh, even if you are successfully able to force them on board, they'll jump off <laughs> when they get the chance. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the things we have, to we have to understand is that we can't convince anybody of anything. We have to lead them down a path that allows them to convince themselves. And when you're negotiating, the the feeling of autonomy and control in both parties is critical um, because if you're just, if you're forcing people to do things, that's really not negotiation. That's just a, you know, a, a dictatorship. Nobody wants to do that. Um, and the thing is, even if you get people to do what you want them to do by sheer force and leverage, um, there's, they don't feel that control and they don't feel as though they had a part in the agreement. This agreement was uh, levied on them. They weren't a part in its creation. And so what you have, what happens in those situations is that your agreements are not self-enforcing. And what I mean by that is that it is only the power that's wielded by the one party that keeps the agreement together. So example, in a business context, you might have a deal with a client and you kind of bullied them into the client, into the, into the deal. They didn't want these terms, but they were in a desperate situation and you knew it and you, and you exerted your power over them in that situation. Now, if there is an opportunity for them to breach, like if you make a mistake and now the contract could be breached, um, they will leave. They'll leave the contract because that was the only thing keeping the, the relationship together. But now if you actually work together to create a deal that worked for both parties, still beneficial to you, of course, but worked for both parties and they feel like they had a hand in creating the agreement, now it's not only enforced by the law or only enforced by your position of leadership over them, it's also enforced by the relationship and the trust between you two. And so they're going to adhere to the agreement even if they have the opportunity to get out of it simply because of the relationship. And so by taking the time and recognizing that you can't convince other people, you can't just do it by force, you need to lead them along in the process and work with them to create it, um, you're going to start to create the strong working relationships that are the foundation of effective negotiation. You know, that's really interesting. I think back to when I was employed in the franchise organisation and the uh, boss that I had at the time, the chief executive officer, recognised some of my talents and wanted to keep me on board. And so he came to me with a deal and he said, I'll give you three years of management training if you'll give me five years of service. And, you know, we worked out what the deal was going to be, the increases in remuneration and the certain milestones. And Kwame, it was a handshake. There was no agreement written down. There was no contract or anything. Uh, and we just both honoured it. You know, I think I was there for six years um, before I finally started my own business. And so I really get what you're saying there about that relationship and having that autonomy and control versus imposing your your decision basically on somebody else. 
Exactly. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your ideal business lifestyle. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand, or your business? Jess Tonfeld says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Well, welcome back. We had a, a couple of little technical issues there, but uh, thank God we've uh, sorted that out. And today we're talking with Kwame Christian, and Kwame is the director for the American Negotiation Institute. He's a professional business lawyer and negotiator, and boy, oh boy, has he got some great experiences and great training and great information to share with you today about the difference between conflict and negotiation. And just before the break, we were talking about as leaders how uh, one of the tips is to actually get people on board. You can't convince somebody to do something and you can't really put the power over you. You won't have an agreement that stands other than if you've got the power or the law on your side. Whereas if you work together to get an agreement working for both parties, then regardless of the law and regardless of the positional power, you'll have that relationship that will stand up. And I was mentioning about how I had such an agreement with my previous boss in the franchise organisation where I worked with him for another six years based on a handshake. So it really is important, Kwame, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, the relationship matters. It always does. Yes, yes. So, so tell us, Kwame, then, what's the difference between conflict and negotiation? Um, <laughs> by definition, of conflict is very similar to negotiation. I've learned that it's better to just keep these things simple uh, and uh, not be as academic as I typically want to be. <laughs> so, um, so remember, my definition of negotiation was a conversation where somebody in the conversation want something. And so my definition of conflict is a negotiation with attitude. So, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So it's like the person, somebody wants something. That's, that's what the conflict is. But we want different things. And it seems as though these things are diametrically opposed. And that's where the tension comes from. And um, that's what we need. In, when it comes to conflict management, we need to explore that apparent uh, conflict and, um, and see what's going on. Um, in the TED Talk, I'm, I mentioned that people are afraid of conflict, but really, instead of fearing conflict, we need to look at conflict as an opportunity. It's a signal. It's a signal that there's something 
not necessarily right with the relationship. And we can use it as an opportunity to strengthen relationships that matter to us. And at the same time, we can use it as an opportunity to remove malignant relationships. Because sometimes it turns out, it, I think it's really easy to see in, a, in romantic contexts, you might be with a significant other um, and you're dating and then something comes up and it might be a deal breaker. If it's a deal breaker, in, investigate it and recognize it's a deal breaker and then what's best for the relationship is for it to end and people to move on. But you do it in a respectful way and you know maintain as much of the relationship as is appropriate, but conflict can help you find the truth in your relationship and, and give you direction. So don't see it as something that is uh, to be feared, but see it as an opportunity to, to improve the relationship. Yeah, and I, I find that as well, you know, that the majority of people, I work with a lot of business owners and their teams and conflict is something, as you say, we just, we don't want to do it. We're frightened of it. And yet, like you, I see the, the true potential in that is the opportunity to understand people a little more. And there really is, if you're both willing, there is no reason why you can't both have what you want. So what are some ways that we might be able to either start a conversation if we've got a conflict or to manage ourselves in relation to our attitude towards even being able to initiate that conversation? I think the first step needs to be an analysis of our own emotions uh, because in conflict, we, we're not only concerned about the other person's emotions, but oftentimes we are afflicted with uh, emotions that could be problematic in a heated discussion. Um, so we might be afraid, we might be angry, we might be um, just generally upset or disappointed, whatever it is, we need to first take some time and identify, actually name the emotion that we're feeling. Because once you're able to put a label on something, it gives you the power to begin to control it. And so the, we have to recognize, too, when, we, when you look at studies of uh, emotional intelligence and uh, um, emotional agility, the thing is we can't just bottle up our emotions. That's problematic. We can't make our, dis our emotions disappear because that's impossible. And then when we fail to make our emotions disappear, we get frustrated, which makes things worse. Um, so we have to acknowledge that we have, while we're driving, and navigating these, through these difficult conversations, our emotions are going to be necessary passengers, but we need to make sure that they stay in the car, but they don't take the wheel. And so once we're able to take control of ourselves, then we can move on to the other person. I love that. They're necessary passengers in the car, but not take the wheel. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> exactly. And, that's, and it's tough. It takes practice, but, but you can get there. Mm -hmm. You can get there. And then the next thing, oh, go ahead. I hear you're going to say something. Yeah, I was just going to ask, when you say name the emotion that we're feeling, are you talking about naming it to ourselves or are you talking about naming it out loud, like I'm feeling really angry or something like that? I say both. It uh, depends on the situation, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes in a business situation it might not uh, be appropriate um, or beneficial strategically. But I find it's helpful sometimes to, to let people know that I'm upset. So mm -hmm. if I recognize that I'm upset, I will let people know that I'm upset. And then it gives us an opportunity to explore why I'm upset. Mm -hmm. um, because in these conversations, let's say, here's an example. Let's say we're having a conversation 
and I'm pretending to be fine. I'm bottling up the emotion. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to say to myself, Kwame, you are a male, you are stoic, and you don't feel these emotions. That's a female thing. And I'm intentionally being chauvinistic because males tend to have a much more difficult problem with emotional intelligence because we have been primed and, and raised to be unemotional. Mm-hmm. And it's problematic. And so that's that's why I said it in that way. And so then in the conversation, there's going to be leakage. There's going to be leakage of that emotion. It's going to come out. And so then people are going to leave the conversation saying, man, that Kwame guy's a jerk. What is his, what is his problem? Versus if I come into the conversation and I say, listen, before we get started, uh, I just want to let you know, um, this is what happened from my perspective. And I might not be seeing the whole situation, and that's why I want to talk to you, but the effect that it's had on me is it, it's made me upset. So I want to apologize in advance if I say something that's offensive. I don't mean it, but I am upset. And it gives you more grace. So if that leakage does happen, the person's like, oh, it's okay. Kwame set that expectation with me beforehand. I know he's upset he didn't mean it. Oh, I love that. You you really are being totally transparent in that instance there. And and everybody knows the rules of the game there. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes the conversation a lot easier when everybody is playing by the same rules. If, if I'm playing uh, American football and you're playing Aussie rules, I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to be sloppy. So you want to be able to put everything on the table as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the, so the first one then, when we're looking at um, entering into a, a conversation or checking ourselves, the first thing then is to analyse our own emotion, our own emotions, and to name it. Um, what's the second thing? The next thing is to then come up with a strategy. Um, when I, I survey my audience all the time. And when I do these trainings, I ask this question because I know I know what the answer is at this point. Um, when I ask people what their biggest barrier to effective negotiation is, they don't say that it's strategy. Um, they say that it's their emotions. They're afraid of the conversation. And so it's not just the situation that's causing fear, but the conversation now is causing us to have, be afraid because we're afraid of being rejected and we're afraid of hurting the other person's feelings. Whatever the reason is, we have some kind of fear. Mm-hmm. The other thing is because we feel like we don't know what to say. In, in addition to the fear and anxiety, we go into the conversation and we're like, how do we, what do, what do we say? And so one of my favorite sayings is competence breeds confidence. And mm-hmm. so the more you learn about negotiation, the more time you take to actually engage in negotiations and the more time, especially that you take to prepare for the specific negotiation that you're about to enter uh, the more effective you're going to be and the more confident you'll be. And, um, I, and I have a gift for your listeners, actually. Um, mm-hmm. If they go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide, G-U-I-D-E, um, you can get a free negotiation preparation guide and um, just an entire 18-page guide that talks, walks you through conflict negotiation, salary negotiation, and your everyday negotiations. Because the thing is, if we don't take the time to prepare, our, our outcomes are going to be less favorable and we risk damaging the relationship because we might say something unintentionally uh, that causes undue offense. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so so we're starting with our emotions and then we're preparing ourselves, developing the strategy to basically prime ourselves then to to be able to have that conversation. Is there anything else? Yep, and then once you have the conversation, uh, this is this is what I want your mantra to be. Um, whether it's a negotiation or conflict, use compassionate curiosity. And sometimes in conversations, we don't know what to say. What, where do we go from here? And so when you think back to the term compassionate curiosity, it'll be your guide and it'll help you to figure out what's next. And so um, this, is, this is strange. Let me, let me ask you this. If you think of the word compassionate, who comes to mind? The other person. Like a, or somebody that everybody knows. Like somebody around the world with oh, Mother Teresa. That's, everybody says Mother Teresa. It's incredible. <laughs> I, I don't know how she has monopolized that term, but every, everybody says Mother Teresa. It's 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 incredible. And so so think about what Mother Teresa would do in this conversation. If Mother Teresa was curious, what would she say? And <laughs> most likely, you're not going to come up with something that's offensive. Then. You're going to ask something that's um, insightful and curious and, and gets to the heart of the matter while focusing on the needs of the other person. That's going to be key. But in your preparation, you prepare while focusing on your needs, so you always have that in the back of your mind. And so that gives you a good yin and yang as you're going through the conversation because it's going to be tough. There are going to be situations and parts of the conversations that you simply cannot anticipate in your preparation. And when that happens, you can fill in the gaps with compassionate curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think uh, just remembering from your talk there, you gave an example of how we can be curious. You know, there was the, what the hell are you doing or <laughs> thinking? Or, <laughs> and there was another way that uh, opposing that, the compassionate curios curiosity way was a different opening, wasn't there? Mm -hmm. I think it was, uh, how do you feel about this situation? Yes. Yeah, I, I like using what's called the funnel technique, where I start with very, very broad questions. And then as I start to see where people are going and see what the major issues are, I start to become more specific and a little bit more targeted. So just uh, starting off a conversation where I recognize there's conflict and just say, how do you feel about this situation? Uh, how do you see this? I'll, I'll, I'll see where they go. For instance, um, I'm, I'm a mediator mm -hmm. as well. Um, so I mediate these discussions, these situations. And so I can't come to a conclusion. I can't render a decision, but in mediation, I'm essentially it's facilitated negotiation between the parties. And what's so fascinating is getting to sit with one party because we do it separately and I just go between, um, the rooms. And so I hear one party and, uh, after I, I talk to that party, I'm just convinced that this other party is just like the worst person ever. <laughs> this, this is this is open and shut. I mean, wow, it's all it's done. What are we doing here? And then I talked to the other party and I said, "What? They're the victim too? How is that possible? This is crazy." <laughs> and so, so the the perspective of the other side in these situations of conflict are often vastly different. You have the you have the exact same facts, different memories, and different perceptions, um, and different goals. And everything that happens is going to be filtered through your own lens. And so, if you open up the conversation by simply saying, 
how do you feel about this situation, you're most likely going to be surprised because what they say is going to be biased towards them, but it's going to, you're going to get valuable information. You're going to learn what their interests are, what they really care about, what they want, and um, how they feel about what you did. And then you can adjust what you say um, as necessary and start to work your way through the conversation. But as you go, just become more and more specific because that's starting to lead them uh, to a more productive brainstorming type of discussion where we're actually starting to talk about solutions. But at first, we need to focus on acknowledging their emotions as well. We took the time to acknowledge ours, but now we need to give them the opportunity to speak. And then we need to show them that we are acknowledging and seeing their emotions. And then once they feel like they've been seen and heard, then they'll be at a place where they're cognitively and emotionally ready to move on to the next step, which is talking about solutions. Wow. And, and I think that's a really important point that you, you raise there. So you're giving people some really great tips and techniques here in order to get people cognitively, I'm having trouble with my words today, cognitively <laughs> and emotionally ready for, for the um, you know, for discussing what it is that they can do to resolve it, and and I love that. And I think when you know when you come back to saying before that you people are scared of having the conversation, and and it's probably because we're neither of those things. We're neither cognitively nor emotionally ready to have it. You know, we're still there and uh, angry <laughs> and annoyed and everything. And um, that's what you're saying there is about acknowledging the emotions. And I love that you say in the beginning part we are acknowledging our emotions, so we know how we're feeling and now we're exploring and finding out how the other person is feeling. Kwame, this is a great spot for us to take a short break. So um, listeners, stay with us and we'll be right back. Do you want to get the media to notice you, your brand or your business? Just Todd says it's easier than you think. He should know. He set a Guinness record for being interviewed the most times in 24 hours. 112 different radio stations. He can also show you how to get featured on major TV networks and national newspapers. In fact, he's giving away many of his top secrets to listeners of this show. Just go to MediaCheatSheet.com. That's MediaCheatSheet.com to get the free info on creating the media attention you deserve. Shirley Dalton's mission is to inspire, educate, and support you to be, do, have, and feel what you want. That's why she recommends using Mind Movies. Create your very own digital vision board. Take it with you on your smartphone, tablet, or computer. See it, hear it, feel it, have it. Go to ShirleyDalton.com slash go slash Mind Movies. Again, that's ShirleyDalton.com forward slash go forward slash Mind Movies. Get started today. Sign up right now to create your idea. Deal Business Lifestyle. You are listening to Reclaim Your Freedom with Shirley Dalton. If you have a question or comment about the program, please go to ShirleyDalton.com and send a voicemail or use the contact form. That's ShirleyDalton.com. Now, back to Reclaim Your Freedom. Welcome back. 
Wow. I'll bet you've never thought that conflict could be so much fun or negotiating could be so much fun. (laughs) We're talking today with Kwame Christian and Kwame, you are making it so much easier for us to even think about having a conversation. And in fact, I love what you've uh, just told us there really about looking at analysing our own emotions before we start having that conversation and then focusing on the strategy and preparing for the conflict or the negotiation and then using what you call compassionate curiosity where we're really trying to find out what the other person is thinking and feeling and, as you say, moving from broad to specific questions. And so tell us then, now we've got this structure, what's the best way to start improving our performance? The best way to start improving your performance, and this is also the scariest way, is to just start. Um, There is a brilliance in the slogan, the Nike slogan of just do it, Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of times we over-intellectualize these situations. I know for me in business, um, I can sit here in the strategy stage indefinitely because I realize that my um, over-analyzing of this is a defense mechanism that prevents me from executing and taking the next step. And so what I challenge your audience to do is to engage in what I call rejection therapy, where you actually go out and ask for things with the specific intention of being rejected. Because the number one fear that we feel when it comes to negotiation and difficult conversations is the fear of rejection. And when you look at things from an evolutionary psychology kind of perspective, back in the day when we were uh, more tribal, um, if you were uh, an outcast from a community and you were out by yourself, you were going to die because you needed other people to have your back when it comes to continuing to survive. So that's, that's why we are particularly sensitive to rejection and, and isolation. And so now in modern day society, the, the equivalent to the old school rejection is rejection of our deals, our, our, our deals, our offers, our ideas, um, our friendship, those type of things. And it hurts. It creates a disproportionate amount of psychological and emotional pain. And that's what we're avoiding when we don't engage in these difficult conversations. And so in order to get over that, we ask for things that we know <laughs> we know we shouldn't get. And so here's an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's going to sound ridiculous. And it is. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but it'll make you stronger. Um, so, I, for instance, I, I mentor some uh, undergraduate students who want to get into law school and become attorneys. And so I take them out to coffee and we, uh, we have a good conversation. And um, I remember one day, it was my birthday, and um, they saw my card, my loyalty card. They said, oh, happy birthday, Kwame. Um, you get a free pastry. I said, well, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And I said, well, hey, I'm, I'm here with my mentee. Can he get a free pastry too? <laughs> now let's pause for a moment. He has no right to get a free pastry there's there's no there's no <laughs> why but i got it they said huh let me ask my manager i was like okay go ahead and they they said i i, I would need to ask my manager i was like all right i, I can wait <laughs> go ahead and ask and they asked and we got the free pastry free calories crazy and so when i look at the uh, receipts it says miscellaneous discount right. and so this is this is what happens you're going to ask for things and 
that's an example of it working. There are a lot of examples where it doesn't work. They say, no, sorry, I can't do that. Okay. Now what happens is I've been rejected. It hurts for a moment. And then I realize, hey, wait a second. I'm still here. Yes. Everything's okay. That's crazy. So it's, it's a win-win situation. You ask for something that you want, you get it. You win. You ask for something you want, you don't get it. You win because now you're stronger. I love it. So that would be the first step. Yeah. Rejection therapy. Oh, I've never heard that before. I love it. <laughs> I've heard yeah. of retail therapy, but <laughs> I think I'll just go out and get some rejection therapy. <laughs> Exactly. Or you could do both at the same time. Who knows? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, could I have two for the price of one? Uh, right. Yeah, that was one of the negotiations. Um, somebody I was talking to said she she went out and she got a purse. <laughs> she got a huge discount on a purse she liked. And once you start to realize that opportunities to negotiate are everywhere, it changes the way that you see the world. Everything's different. Yeah. You know, you don't see everything as, as something set in stone. You can you can start to create the world and that you want. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm noticing my reaction as you're saying that, and I'm imagining myself going out and actually asking, you know, for can I have two for the price of one or even negotiating for a, a extra pair of earrings with a dress or something and and I can feel my in, insides my internal thing go <laughs> I don't know if I could exactly <laughs> oh yeah and that that means you're doing it right that means you do, you're doing it right um one of my friends uh, she coaches people she's up in Toronto um young entrepreneurs and she created a game um she calls it negotiophobia people are afraid of negotiating so she created this game where you engage in rejection therapy, but there's a point system. If you, if you ask for something and you get it, you get one point. If you ask for something and you're rejected, you get two points. <laughs> and the person with the most points wins. <laughs> oh, I love it. That, now, that's a cool way to win when you don't get stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and so the benefit is, like, when it actually matters, you're going to be ready. Because you're negotiating all the time. Yeah, yeah. And and I can see how after a while it would be, yeah, no biggie. You know, they said no, hmm, so what, In as, you, as you're getting used to that. So it's really developing that muscle of asking. Yeah, I can see it. I love mm -hmm. it. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, and, and here's a quick rule of thumb. The bigger the price point, the more room there is for negotiation. And so if you're at an auto body shop and they say, oh, you need a new transmission, that'll be $2,000. Oh, man, that's a lot more than I thought. What flexibility do you have on the price? Well, we could knock off 500 but no more than that. Okay, thank you. 500 free dollars? Wow. Free dollars? And so it makes you wonder, like, how much value have I left on, on the table my whole life? It's crazy. And you'll, you'll start to actually get real start to get real money back and you start to kind of create a monster in yourself it's like what I could get this what else can I get and that's when you start to develop that true internal strength because now you're not shying away now it's become exciting and you start to move forward towards it 
Yeah, and I can see how that could happen too. I I had a client of mine one time, and um, I just used to expect it that he he just couldn't help himself. I'd say, okay, here's the price, and he'd look <laughs> at me and smile, and he'd go, Cheryl, what can we do? And I'd go, ah. <laughs> so, and I have to, you know. He was in real estate, and he said, "It's what I do. I have to ask." And nine times out of ten, he got a yes. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, and I think that that's one of the parts of negotiation that people struggle with too is how to say no effectively, and um, and how to say no in a way that actually still strengthens the relationship. Yes. And so I have a, a quick strategy for that. Um, I call it a no sandwich. Yes. So it is a no that's surrounded by two yeses. So whenever you're saying no to something is because you're saying yes to something else. So you need to find what your yes is. So if somebody asks me, hey, Kwame, um, we have this new nonprofit. We'd like you to sit on the board. Are you interested? Um, and I have a two-year-old, so I've, I need to manage my time. And so my the yes is to being a good father and, and spending time with my son after hours. So I say, first of all, I appreciate this offer. It means a lot to me. I have a lot of respect for your organization. I um, I don't have very much time right now because I have a young son at home. He's two and a half, and my wife is a doctor, so she doesn't have much time. So we want to spend as much time with him during these years as possible. Then I follow up with a very succinct one-sentence no. So because of that, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say no. And then we follow it up with another yes. And the yes is to the continuation of the relationship. But... Please keep me in mind in the future and let me know how else I can help um, because I appreciate you and I appreciate the work you're doing. That is gold. Listeners, you want to be replaying this and type that out and put that in your head. That I mean, that is gold. I love it. So the, the no <laughs> Thank sandwich. You. Yeah. Wow. And it was interesting because when you were saying before you gave the example, a no with two yeses, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, how are you going to say yes to a person's request? But no, you're actually saying what you're saying yes to in this case, which was to look uh, being with your son and also continuing the relationship and no to their actual request. That is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Okay. Now, you did mention that um, that people can get some resources. Uh, so did you want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. And so, um, like I said, if you go to my website and you go to um, AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash free, you can get a list of all of the free guides that I've created. I've created a salary negotiation guide, conflict management guide, a car negotiation guide, how to say no guide, all of these, probably I think close to 20 total guides for specific negotiations you can download, Um, uh, how to shorten conversations (laughs) with (laughs) negotiation techniques, uh, all sorts of stuff. So you can get more resources there. Um, Also, uh, check out the podcast. It's called Negotiate Anything. Um, So it's sometimes I have solo episodes and other times I bring in guests to talk about their specific expertise in in various industries. And um, we also do what's called sparring sessions, where the the guest teaches us a specific skill. And then in the next episode, um, I try to become the embodiment of your worst fear. (laughs) And the guest has to show the audience how to use the skill that they just taught against me in in a mock negotiation. 
and, and that's a lot of fun because in in no world would you experience anything as bad as what I put the guests through. <laughs> so so it's uh, people get a lot out of it. And what's cool is that they're unscripted. We just finish the conversation and then then we say we we make up a scenario, and I say, all right, it's time for me to be awful. <laughs> but they do a great job. It, it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. So uh, check out the the podcast and. Um, Another thing I say, and I know this is not in my best interest um, yet, but <laughs> I, um, we, you have to read books on this topic because no matter how many podcast episodes you listen to, it is not going to get you to the depth of knowledge that a book will. It just, it's simply impossible. And so take some time to read some really great books on conflict management. Um, I'll give my contact information if people want suggestions to, to reach out. Connect with me on LinkedIn and ask, and you'll probably get a book in response about, oh, here are 18 books that match your topic. <laughs> but um, reading books on this topic will really get you where you want to go. Um, a couple good ones to start off with are um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Boss. He's a, he was the FBI lead hostage negotiator. Um, another one is Getting to Yes. That's classic negotiation stuff. And... Um, also, The Warrior Within is a great book um, talking about the four inner negotiators you have. It's almost like negotiation philosophy. And if you're having trouble um, kind of showing up as your best self in negotiations and you're not sure exactly why, that would be a good book to start off with. The, the Warrior Within. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was Never Split the Difference, Getting to Yes, and The Warrior Within. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. I read another book by um, the authors of Getting to Yes, and just to to change your mindset, you know, I, I think that was one of the biggest things that, that I understood about myself was that often it was my mindset that was getting me into trouble because I would then start having this conversation in my head and becoming the real victim, as you say, when you were doing your mediation, you think, oh, you know, they've been, I've been wrong, uh, treated badly and, you know, and then looking at it from a different point of view to, to be able to still get what you want but to lose all of that victim mentality and all of those horrible emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it takes practice. You can get better at it, but. You just have to start. You, I guess you, we could just say, just do it, and you'll, and you'll start to get better at it. Yeah. Okay. So is there any last comments that you would like to make? Um, we've talked about where people can find you at the um, – it's the AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com. Any other last mm -hmm. comments? Yes. Also, connect with me on LinkedIn. If you're on LinkedIn, I uh, – I, give personal responses to everybody who connects with me on LinkedIn. It is a promise I will continue to make, even though I have two, I was, last time I checked, 285 invitations sitting in my inbox right now. Uh, but I will continue to do it this way. <laughs> so, uh, so connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you want to have a conversation, we, we chat. And uh, it, it's a lot of fun connecting to people who, who are listeners and who found this information to be helpful. Oh, okay. Thank you. So they're, they're just looking up on LinkedIn for Kwame Christian, just your first and last name. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. You know, maybe even Kwame will get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty rare. <laughs> 
Kwame, I just love this topic and I'm so, it's, it's such an important topic and I'm so grateful for you for being a guest on our show. You have an amazing way of making conflict and negotiations so much simpler and necessary for not only enjoying great relationships but also for getting what you want. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So unfortunately, listeners, we're out of time today. As always, I encourage you to implement what Kwame has shared with us today so that you too can reclaim your freedom and continue to create your ideal business lifestyle. Thank you for joining Shirley Dalton and her amazing guest this week on Reclaim Your Freedom. Please tune in again next week for an inspirational and educational edition. Until then, be sure to implement what you've learned today to create your ideal business lifestyle. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here for the next show.